Welcome to Jesus Unmasked, an invitation to join a search for the living Christ in scripture and our lives. In Jesus Unmasked, we believe that Jesus would wear a mask during the time of COVID, and so should everyone. Yet in this podcast, we seek to remove the masks of exclusive theology and violent cultural lenses that obscure the truth that Jesus is unconditional love. In the unmasked face of Jesus, there is hope, acceptance, and forgiveness that frees us from fear that we may live into our fullest selves as reflections of God's love. We explore scripture through the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, and we use the Common Lectionary. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Jesus Unmasked, our weekly Bible study with me, Adam Erickson, and my dear friend and colleague at the Raven Foundation, Lindsay Paris-Lopez. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Adam. Hi, friends. Uh, Lindsay, how's it going? Yep. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's, so, it's, it's, going, it's going all right. Um, the snow is melting for now. Oh, good. Yeah, it's, uh, but we are deep into Lent. Like we are, yeah, deep in the wilderness, and it's only the second week. Mm-hmm. I've and, already uh, broken some of the things that I was going to try to give up, so I'm right uh, on schedule. Oh, nicely done! I didn't even try. I'm like not even trying anymore. It's like New Year's resolutions. I'm like, no, I'm not even going to try. Mm-hmm. Star is here. Hi, Star. Good to see you. Um, yeah, you know what I gave up though. I gave what? up feeling ashamed of myself for not sticking to the things that I tried to give up. Like, I can try again if I want to, but um, yeah, I'm just going to not feel ashamed, not feel bad about it. Um, yeah, I gave how did, that up. How did you get to that point? Because shame is something we're going to talk about in the passage today. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, uh, shame is something that uh, it's it's almost like religion. Uh thrusts shame upon us all the time how were you able to be like i'm not going to shame myself for not sticking with my lenten resolutions well i just reminded myself that you know lent is about remembering how much god loves everyone including me and you know i'm we're all going through this horrible pandemic and any way we can get through it is how we get through it. So if I am, you know, and I, and I always try to give up things like yelling at my kids and um, you know, that's always something that I might do once in a while, but I, that's not something like, oh, I gave up trying not to yell at my kids and now I'm yelling at them all the time. That's something that I always want to discipline myself on. So there are like continuous disciplines that I try to follow, but, and I still try to follow them, but anything that I'm trying to do that's a little bit extra, I'm just kind of reminding myself that this pandemic is all the extra that we need. And we're already out in the wilderness and we don't have to wilderness ourselves any more than we already are right now. And so I just reminded myself of that and that helped me to remember that God loves me. And these 40 days are about remembering that. So why be mad at myself when 
I can't live up to expectations that I'm putting on myself. God's not putting them on me. So that's how I did that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I like want to say, and we're done. Nice. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's the message for today, friends. Uh, if that's all you get, then, uh, then we're good. We're good. Hey, Lacey, it's good to see you. Um, should we, so this is the second Sunday of Lent and mm -hmm. it's a pretty tough passage. Um, that uh, is worth, is, is important. I was going to say worth exploring, but I think important to explore for everything that you just said there, Lindsay. So um, should I go ahead and read it? Yeah, let's get into it. All right, let's, let's hop into it. My uh, Bible um, has it as, uh, structures it as Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. And if you have a Bible and it has like a a little heading above paragraphs. Um, that's there because the translators uh, put it there, not because it's there in the original uh, in the original text. Uh, the original uh, uh, Bible, uh, the original like Gospel of Mark, uh, doesn't have those headings. It just goes right on through. So uh, sometimes the translators um, get it right. Uh, with the heading, and sometimes you can just push the heading aside and say, I'm going to make my own heading for this one because that doesn't feel good. So, uh, hey, Blue, yes, you found it. <laughs> you found it. So uh, we're going to be talking about this pretty difficult passage uh, from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, uh, verses 31 through 38, and the heading that the translator gives uh, for me is Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. So uh, that's kind of a theme of Lent is um, giving up your ego. Uh, we're going to hear it as dying to yourself or picking up your cross. Uh, this passage has been used in ways that are abusive uh, and uh, harmful to people. And so we're going to talk about that too. So um, I invite you to uh, listen to these words from the Gospel of Mark. It says this, Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but human things. Jesus then called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are, were, those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, to them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Woo! Mm -hmm. 
Lindsay, yeah. what do you do with that? I mean, yeah, this one's harsh. And, but that's why I'm so glad that we're able to talk about it together because, you know, to just read this, um, to just read this can be scary, but, yeah. but Lent is about going through the scary together and not being so scared because we're in it together and because Jesus is with us in it. So, yeah. And yeah. right off the bat, the thing that comes to me is this whole, as you talked about beautifully before I read this, the whole shame issue, uh, that's going on in this passage that, um, those who are ashamed of me, I'll, the son of man will be ashamed of when he comes back in his glory. And it's always when you read these passages helpful for me, who's somebody who messes up, I mess up in my faith a lot. And whenever I hear this shame language, I start going back on my life and thinking about the things that I've messed up on. And I'm like, oh my gosh, God's ashamed of me. Jesus is ashamed of me. My life is horrible. And it just starts being like this whole religion thing is just a bunch of shame, shaming, and I need to just get rid of it. And uh, a lot of people have done that. And God bless you as you do that. That's great. One of the things that's helpful for me is to remember Peter has just had this experience that Jesus is talking about. Peter has been ashamed of Jesus because he's following Jesus and Jesus says, listen, this is going to, this is going to take me to my death. Mm -hmm. This is not a project where we are going to violently kill our enemies and be successful in dominating others through violence. That's not what this is about. Peter is might be expecting that. I would probably be expecting that. Peter says, uh, no way, you're the Messiah. I'm not going to let you die because that would be total failure. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. This is like, I think this is the, this is the shame that's acted out between Adam Peter and Jesus. For, Adam, you froze for a moment. Um, you're nice. back. There you are. Yay. So I think, um, I think, I think when dealing with this shame passage, it's helpful for me to remember the disciples missed the point of Jesus that Jesus had throughout their lives. And yet God, Jesus doesn't give up on them. They go through these, this, these cycles of, I don't know if shame is the right word, but cycles of not getting it right of failure like I've had throughout my life. And I often think God's forgiven up or God's given up on me or Jesus has given up on me. But just like Jesus comes back to Peter after this shaming experience and says, that's not all of who you are. Exactly. You, you, still, you still have a mission to give. And for me, that's been the experience of my life. And maybe it's part of the human experience too, that Jesus, God keeps coming back to us and saying, there's more work to do. Yeah, I, this is this is something where I do wish that I knew, you know, biblical Greek, um, or honestly, I wish I knew Aramaic, or I wish I could have 
you know, seen this from a bird's eye view, but um, because I, I, um, whatever it might mean for Jesus to say, um, those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of then the son of man will also be ashamed. You know, that sounds so scary. And I wonder if, if the evangelists got it wrong or the translators got it wrong, I do wonder. But the thing is, what we actually see Jesus doing is forgiving from the cross. You know, when he, he's coming into his glory on the cross and what we actually see him doing is forgiving. Yes. And after Peter has turned away from Jesus in shame, we can talk a little more about that, but he you know, the, the disciples abandon Jesus on the cross and the, the women stay, but the disciples, um, the male disciples and all everyone else, except some of the most devoted women, um, everyone else abandons the cross and Peter goes a step further because, um, well, he, he's not there at the cross, but when Jesus is taken away, arrested, I should say, he goes and warms his hands by a fire and he denies Jesus and everyone says, well, he's afraid. So he's denying Jesus. Well, he's afraid, but he's also making a point of going into another crowd. He really wants to be with the crowd. And so he's not just afraid. He's, he's ashamed of Jesus and trying to find a sense of belonging somewhere else. And what does Jesus do when he sees Peter after the resurrection? He says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. So there is a little bit of, see what you did there? You denied me three times. I'm going to show you. I know exactly what you did. Mm -hmm. But it comes with forgiveness. And so in any, I, the only sense I can make of this is that If we are ashamed of, if, if there's any part of us that is scandalized about worshiping a Messiah who died, or any part of us that doesn't want to follow Jesus to this extent, Jesus says, I know you can do better, and I'm going to help you. And that's it. It's it, If there's any shame, it's in the sense of, I know you can do better. I see more in you than you've shown me in this instance. So, you know, it's, um, it's really nothing to be afraid of. Um, if it stings a little, maybe that's a good thing because maybe that shows us that there's something of a conscious of a conscience in us. So that's how I take that anyway. Yeah. And it's, it's almost, I don't know how to say this. It, uh, here in this passage, you know, Jesus says, if you want to become my followers, then let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. How much of Christian history has, has flipped that. Mm -hmm. And this is what's so great about Christian history is the um, one of the great things is how we can uh, be self-critical about it by going back to the words of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. um, how much of Christian history has reversed that, and instead of picking up 
our cross, we've picked up the sword. Mm -hmm. uh, and how, you know, I don't want to just, I don't want to blame the Christians of the past, like the Crusades, uh, nor do I only want to blame uh, the big, the, the easy target, which I'm not saying is not a target or shouldn't be a target, which is Christian white supremacy today, uh, which has been around for 2000 years or 1500 years, depending on how you look at it, right? Uh, but also the Christian supremacy that is inside of me too, that I have absorbed. My, I'm just like Peter in many ways. I would much rather pick up the sword than pick up the cross. Um, and that's something inside of me that I need to grapple with, whether it's a physical cross or whether it's the words that come out of my mouth um, that aren't always, that I try to make firm, but also gentle at the same time in many instances, but come out a little more sword-like than, than maybe they should. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think that's part of, part of it too, is how we've, how we've flipped that over. And the other issue with this passage is, is how often it's been used in abusive ways to say, suffering is good for you. Uh, suffering is part of your Christian walk. So if you are in an abusive relationship, that's, that's your cross that you need to bear. Mm -hmm. And that's toxic Christianity, toxic use of this passage that Jesus is not getting at. The, the issue that Jesus is getting at for his hearers uh, is the evil of the Roman Empire, which was uh, oppressive, which used the cross in order to, uh, to keep people down, to keep people from protesting, uh, to keep people from trying to change the system. So when Jesus is talking about oppression, he's talking about the very evil things that the Roman Empire was doing in their lives and how that's not of God. Right. The cross right. is not necessary. It's only necessary in a world where humans act violently against one another. Yeah. The cross was um, an instrument of death and it was also an instrument of shame. So yeah. the cross, it, it was a very, it was, it was an instrument of public execution. So if you, um, if you were crucified, that meant you were um, rubbing Rome the wrong way. And they didn't just want to kill you. They wanted to send a message with your death not to act like you. So Jesus is, Jesus is not saying just suffer for the sake of suffering. He's being specific in if you want to be my follower, you are going to do things that are going to piss off the empire. And that, you know, and that means... Um, not and it doesn't mean you're going to take up arms against the empire it means you are going to show that life can flourish apart from that kind of oppressive rule so if you want to be my follower come come with me to heal the sick yes. to feed the hungry to help 
people who have been marginalized um, build a community, not just reintegrate into their old communities, but build a community that's full of so much love that centers them that other people will want to come to them, you know, and, um, and that is going to upset the powers that want to keep people divided and put down and oppressed so that, so that greatness can be measured over and against loneliness. And that is what is going to get you in trouble with authorities. And that is what will get you killed. Um, so the cross is an instrument of shame. And he's saying, don't be afraid of the shame. Don't be ashamed of me. Don't be afraid of the shame that the powers of, of greed and empire and violence are going to try to put upon you. And I've also been thinking, you know, about how Jesus says, um, come to me, all ye who are, all ye who are weary and, you know, for I will give you rest for my, for my yoke is, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I'm thinking about how he can say that on the one hand and pick up your cross on the other. And I think, you know, there's an, it's something about um, it's something about comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable. There, there's a reversal there. Um, yeah. So. Uh, yes. It, it and it's also um, I one of the things that I keep forgetting about is I don't know if it's in the gospel. I think it is in the gospel of Mark, where Jesus is forced to carry his cross and he can't carry it anymore. And so they get this guy named Simon of Cyrene to continue carrying his cross. And so in a sense, one of the, one of the flips about it is that we're here to, we're here to carry crosses with, you're not alone in carrying this cross. As, as Don says, yay, piss off the empire. That was like, I was like, remember that quote, Adam, because that was, that was it. So Don, I'm so glad, Blue, my friend, I'm so glad that you picked that up. Um, as you piss off the empire and you deal with the consequences of it, you're not alone. There's Jesus is, that's what the disciples are about. Remember that the disciples, 11 of the 12 of them were either murdered, uh, tradition tells us, um, or banished, which is still not good, <laughs> right? Um, so this, like, it's like Dietrich Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship. Like, when you are living in empire, this, there are going to be consequences. God does not call you to easy, passive life, but you're going to piss off empire, uh, as you said earlier. And that Count the, count the consequences is, is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said when he was living in Nazi Germany and uh, tried to buck up against the system there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the good news is um, the good news is supposed to be that as we live into Jesus's example, the world is supposed to gradually gradually get better as we lighten each other's burdens, as we help carry our own crosses and the crosses of each other. Um, 
as we don't return violence for violence, we show how we can live in love. Um, if we're not far enough along, it's because we've been turning the cross upside down and using it as a sword for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Dawn says the consequences are light compared to the consequences of not showing up and missing an opportunity. I think I think this is ex this is exactly right. It's exactly what Jesus is saying. I mean, we can all come up with our own examples today when Jesus says, um, for what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Um, I'm sure everybody listening to this, I can think of specific people <laughs> who I would accuse of doing that. But I think, Don, what you're getting at, the consequences are light compared to the consequences of not showing up and missing an opportunity. Um, that's, I think, exactly what Jesus is saying. Um, you can you can gain the whole world uh, by by what um, by not living into into this way of life that Jesus is presenting us uh, by going against it by um, accumulating more and more power uh, for ourselves. Uh, that's what Lent. That's what that's what the beginning of Lent, what we discussed last week, is all about. Jesus has this temptation where he's tempted to gain the whole world, uh, all the power in the world for himself, and then you lose your soul mm -hmm. because, because you're not living into loving God and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. You're over and against all the time. And the temptation to put yourself first for the sake of security or prosperity i mean it's there for jesus too that's what his going into the wilderness was about and actually you know the nrsv kind of omits something that i think might be in the king james version but when jesus says get behind me satan he he i think this omits the phrase you are a stumbling block for me or you are a scandal for me what that means is, you know, when you talk about how I shouldn't die, that makes me not want to die. Yeah. He's saying, get behind me. Not, it's not coming just out of some moral superiority. It's coming out of this, hey, you know what? Dying sounds pretty awful when you put it that way, and I don't want to die. And he rebukes Peter, not just because he's so superior, but because he's afraid too. It's, it's not something that Jesus, Jesus didn't just want to go and die. It was the consequence of living in such a way that pisses off the empire, but it's, you know, he didn't do it for the sake of making the empire angry. That was just a side consequence. He did it for the sake of reintegrating people into a world of love in a world that has thrived so much on division and casting people out. Well, he, yeah, he, he, yes, exactly. He's living the kingdom of God. I've heard a lot of people say could be just as easily uh, translated as the empire of God. Um, so what Jesus is doing is, is critiquing empire by showing a different, a different empire, mm -hmm. critiquing the kingdom of Herod by showing a different kingdom a different way of living together. Yeah. Uh, just a few comments, Heather, that I missed. 
Thank you, Kenton. It's good to see you. Um, thank you for that. Uh, Heather says, what was it a steel sword or perhaps a sword of truth, which may then not be a literal sword, but a metaphorical one? I think that, uh, Heather, that's a great observation. Um, Jesus in the book of Revelation, which is, you know, frequently misunderstood <laughs> uh, uh, because it's, it's tough. It's a tough book. But um, there's a passage near the end where Jesus comes back, the second coming, and there's a sword that's coming out from his mouth. Uh, it's called the sword of truth. Um, uh, and many Christians want to interpret that as a literal sword that Jesus comes back and kills all of his enemies with. <laughs> um, and these and the same ones will say Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, but then changes in the end and becomes the violent Messiah that we've always wanted, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but it's a metaphor, as Heather is pointing out. The, the sword of truth is the sword that comes from the mouth, and it can cut both ways. It's cut me both ways uh, in my life um, with truth and with love, and hopefully as it cuts it cuts out some of the bad things inside of me. <laughs> um, the, the beasts, the, the, the shadow side um, that I think Jesus had to deal with too when he was out in the wilderness, so. Yeah, and it's, he also says, I come not to bring peace, but a sword. But at the end, he says, my peace I give to you, I do not give as the world gives. And, you know, the peace of Jesus destroys the false peace where we um where we form unity against others and we still we all do that to an extent so yes. oh also heather when you say turn the cross upside down use it as a sword i loved that too the first time i heard it so i just have to say i can't take credit for for that phrase i wish i could but um it comes from emmanuel mccarthy of the center for christian nonviolence or at least that's where I first heard it. So. There you go. I, think I heard it from Shane Claiborne, which who may have gotten it uh, from Emmanuel McCarthy. It's all good. Um, it's all good. It, it's, but it's so true, right? I mean, the cross yeah. is an upside down sword. The sword yeah. is an upside down cross. And, and of course, the cross was, was a weapon. And, um, and then Constantine made it a weapon again, which is really, really sad. Yep. But um, yeah. So, um, Don says, "Let's get uncomfortable." I think uh, I think that's one of the keys for Christianity and all of us um, seeking to uh, help foster a better, more just and loving world. Is that we're going to have to get uncomfortable? And uh, Thank you for going through the discomfort of this passage, which has been used and abused in horrible uh, ways uh, that put Christianity to shame. And uh, we're here to call those ways out and to live into something better. Um, so hopefully we've we've pointed to that. And thank you, thank you, Kenton. I'm so glad you could catch the live. Um, thank you for for watching and for your comments, my friend. And thank you, Don and Heather and um katie and lacy and star for being here always good to have these conversations and thank you Lindsay. any did you, I, Adam. cut us off was there anything other things that you wanted to say about this passage i i don't think
think so. I mean, we, we covered uh, what he means by Satan, and we covered what we covered shame. Oh, I'll, a lot. I'll, just one one last point that I would like to make, um, because I, this this kind of this matters to uh, transforming Christianity. Um, who is it that Jesus says kills him? Who he is says, it? He says uh, this. Uh, the son of man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes and be killed. Why does this matters? Because if you're like me, and uh, I don't know if you grew up with this, Lindsay, but if you're, if you're like me, uh, and maybe if you just heard this in the cultural air of Christianity, you heard that it was not, it, that the primary person that put Jesus on the cross was God because God was wrathful. Uh, I'll use Lindsay's word. God was pissed off <laughs> at, at humanity. In that construction, God is the ultimate empire. God is, God is the one who is bigger than the, the empire that's bigger than the empire of Rome, bigger and badder and pissed off and needs an outlet on uh, humanity and so picks Jesus to do it. Jesus constantly... Um, consistently doesn't go that route. That's a later con construct of Christian history that Jesus doesn't provide. Jesus says repeatedly, it's other human beings who are putting me on the cross. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. the religious leaders, not, not the Jewish people, right? Mm -hmm. So be careful of anti-Semitism when, you, when you're dealing with the New Testament, not the Jewish people. Uh, religious leaders, political leaders, uh, the authorities, those who are uh, the the fill-in for empire uh, and keeping power are the ones who put Jesus on the cross, uh, not God. So. Um, yeah, he does, he, he says, he says chief priests and that that's a power structure and it's, it's a power structure within Judaism. But when he says cross, He's talking very specifically about the Roman Empire. So he's talking about all forms of power um, that that unite over and against others. And um, that's a that is a human thing. And it's not about um yeah, it, it's a human thing. Yep. It's it, it's human violence. It's human violence that all humans are subject to flip into now and then but yep heather uh heather says seemed to me like um gd was a god was always using was using jesus as a blood sacrifice that always twisted in my head heather i think that uh one of the things that we may plan is uh talking especially maybe on holy week even um we might do a series on atonement theories um, that might be interesting to do. So I'm just kind of thinking out loud right now, but uh, that might be something that would be good to do, especially during Holy Week on the build up to Good Friday. So um, stay tuned for something that might happen like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's human violence that kills Jesus. I mean, that's, that's the first thing to know. And um, and and really, I don't think anybody really doubted that for a long time until later. I mean, it was so, so, so obvious. 
um, Jesus was showing, yeah, Jesus was showing that, you know, when people are killed in the name of God, that is violence that is happening to God. When, when people kill in the name of God, it is God being killed. That's what Jesus showed. And, and that's what Jesus says happens, you know, whatever you do to the least of these, that includes the, the accused and the condemned and the, and those put to death. So whatever we say we're doing in the name of God, we are doing to God. So if we're feeding people in the name of God, we're feeding God. And if we're helping cure people in the name of God, if we're teaching people, but if we're hurting or killing in the name of God, then that's what we're doing to God. And that's why the shame falls upon us when we are ashamed, but it's, it's not a permanent shame. It's a shame that cleanses us and comes with forgiveness and, and a new way of being. So, yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, and friends. Thank you, everyone, for watching or if you're listening on the podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, you can catch all of our podcasts at uh, ravenfoundation.org under uh, Jesus Unmasked. And you can also find it at Jesus Unmasked wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, thank you again, friends. And we will do this again next so Wednesday. At uh, what time do we do this at? Five, Five Central, three Pacific. That's awesome. We'll do it live and you can uh, check it out at the recording. So uh, friends, thank you for being here. And until next time, God be with you. God bless you. Jesus Unmasked is produced by the Raven Foundation, where we talk about faith and mimetic theory. Check out more of our work at ravenfoundation.org. You can connect with Raven on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you liked this episode, feel free to share it with your friends or your enemies, because Jesus calls us to love them too.